This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. Welcome back to Dollars and Change here on Sirius XM, Channel 132, Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Sandy Hunt. And I'm Catherine Klein. Uh, I want our listeners to ask themselves what they think the leading indicator of high school graduation is. Good. Good. Right? Yeah. The answer is student attendance. Yeah. Right. Grades, not zip code. You know, it's, it is student attendance. And it's a huge problem. So we are delighted to welcome Miriam Altman to the show. She's the CEO and founder of Kinvolved to dive into a little bit more about this uh, very significant issue and some solutions to it. Welcome, Miriam. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me on. So a, a, a place to start, often a bummer, but I think a logical place to start is to really paint the picture of this problem. Um, student attendance is a leading indicator of high school graduation. What is the state of attendance in our country? Sure. So we know that nationally about almost 8 million kids are missing an entire month of school every year. That's about 10% of the school days, which is uh, making them what we call chronically absent in the education field. And when uh, kids are chronically absent, their likelihood of achieving uh, academic success, of course, but also moving towards graduation, developing those social emotional skills, and um, really, you know, being able to uh, have success in life is really, really uh, diminished and at risk. We know that about uh, nationwide, about 15% of all of our students are chronically absent. Um, but when we look at neighborhoods that are dealing with tremendous issues of high poverty um, and other challenges, that number can balloon up to 30% or higher. And so we know that this is a problem that is, uh, like so many other social challenges, really highly concentrated in our communities that need the most support. Um, but that is uh, the good news is that it's concentrated, so there's work that we can do to help those particular communities. Um, but I would also say that uh, chronic absence uh, is masked by some of the existing data. When we look at attendance data typically in the education system, um, we usually look at average daily attendance, and that can often mask. Uh, trends of chronic absence that are really uh, actually pervasive in communities um, uh, across the country, from rural communities to suburban communities. Um, but we really think, you know, heavily of, of urban communities that are uh, dealing with this challenge. So it's pretty tremendous, but there's still uh, there's a lot of work we can do around it to solve the problem. So, Miriam, um, I'd love to unpack some of these statistics for folks who are not so familiar with the, the problem of absenteeism. And you began your comments t- describing the, I think you said 9 million kids who are absent for a month or more. Uh, these are not kids who are chronically ill. These are not, you know, so that, uh, is that, is that, that's correct, right? They could be. I mean, the reasons for chronic absence, there are a myriad of them. Um, but actually, one of the biggest reasons or most common reasons for absence is uh, illness. Um, and sometimes that's asthma, which uh, tends to be a pretty chronic challenge in uh, in the many communities that I have asthma myself. It wasn't something I was pretty surprised when I started my career as a teacher several years ago that that was a major reason for absenteeism. Sometimes it's, um, you know, challenges where the family um, is transient, moving from home to home. Um, and sometimes it's just, you know, kids who uh, have autonomy, especially as they get into high school, and uh, their parents don't necessarily have the information that they need from school to 
uh, know that their kids are, you know, cutting class or not making it to school on time or not making it to school at all. Um, and there's many other reasons in between. Transportation also is a big one. Um, or can be a big one as well. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, the, as Sandy uh, began, absenteeism, when kids are absent, um, this is, you know, dramatically increases the likelihood that they will not graduate from high school. And I think the, the high school graduation statistics in the country today are uh, that about 80% of high school kids will gra- actually graduate from high school. Um, so, and when you've talked about a, a number of things that that lead kids to be absent, what are the most important? You know, what what should our listeners understand as they think about? You know, right? Is it is it? Um, you know, kids are bored in school and they just want to play and they don't see the value and they'd rather you know and and they just boredom boredom and irresponsibility is the is the predictor. Uh, is it illness? Is it transportation? Is it um, dental yeah. issues? I've heard. You know, is it, one. is it dental issues? Is it look? I got to take care of my family and I can't be in school. Yep. Or working on a farm. Right. Or you know. Yeah. So so are there trends? You know, are there top reasons? Yeah, that's a good question. You just touched on quite a few of them, actually. Um, so health is definitely one indicator, but there's also, you know, perception of uh, what is healthy enough to go to school by students and their parents as well, and uh, and the reality. Huh. Um, and so just, you know, informing parents about uh, about their options. You know, if a kid is, uh, you know, really trying to detect how, how ill a kid really is. I mean, oh, there are a lot, um, you know, a lot of parents listening, wondering if you've got the secret to, uh, <laughs> is my kid faking the sick day or not? But, um, yeah, you know, tell us a little bit more about that. You know, are there things people keep their kids home because of that are, you know, sort of unnecessary? I, you know, I always had assumed the trend was you know, maybe more kids going to school sick than was appropriate versus the other way around. So tell us more. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit hard to tell because it it is a bit, you know, self-reporting. And, you know, unless you take your kid to the doctor, which not every parent has the chance to do. Parents are working. So Mm -hmm. sometimes we'll just say, you know, the kid is sick. Um, He or she is telling me he or she is sick. And I need to go to work. So I'm just going to leave, you know, the the kid at home um, and, you know, trust them. It's your child, right? We all remember, or many of us, uh, at least I remember Ferris Bueller's Day Off, right? There's <laughs> many instances of kids, you know, saying that they're sick. Yep. Sometimes it's to get out of school. Sometimes it's because they're not interested. Sometimes it's because they're being bullied. Um, there's a, a myriad of issues or, or reasons behind a child, you know, mm-hmm. uh, saying he or she is sick and not going. There also are, of course, real um, instances of illness. And again, I mentioned asthma is a, a really, really common, um, but, you know, preventable uh, uh, chronic health issue that's affecting many of the communities that we work in. And, um, and it causes kids to be out of school for days or even weeks at a time when they become hospitalized. And so that certainly is a real challenge. There's also challenges when you know, fam- or parents um, who are, you know, sometimes the sole providers, sometimes they're the people that the children rely on to actually get to school if they're elementary age kids who become ill or are disabled um, or need a translator at a court appearance. There's a number of different issues that are health related um, that can affect a student's attendance. But, um, you know, there's no like magic, uh, magic formula to really detect besides, I guess, bringing your child to the doctor. But in taking that step, um, of course, you know, typically you're you're keeping your child out of school for at least a few hours until you go to the doctor and detect, you know, from the doctor, maybe the kid is well enough to go to school. So it is a little bit of a, a fine line to walk. But um, if it's, you know, a headache or a light cold or you don't see, you know, real symptoms, um, you know, bringing the kid into school 
uh, and the you know the school nurse will will tell the tell you or call you if the child needs to needs to go out. But the the sort of magic number that I I was surprised to learn, um, even though I saw this challenge so directly uh, on the ground, and I think that many parents would probably be surprised to learn as well, is that two days of school per month missed means that a child becomes chronically absent. You know, it's on a, it's like on a, a billboard here in Philadelphia, and I'd never thought about that statistic, but under on my drive to Penn, there's this huge billboard that has like a little, it looks like a chalkboard, and it's like, yeah. Two days a month times, you know, nine months in a school year equals chronically absent. Okay, you know, two days a month. I can see happening. Right. You know? So, um, yeah, and it's a it's definitely a big challenge in Philadelphia. Um and I know that the district and the community is trying to look for solutions to the challenge there as well. But um yeah, I mean just awareness is, is the and you know, a critically important first step. And there are some really basic statistics or basic numbers that I think everyone can relate to, whether you have a child or not, frankly, um, that are pretty surprising. That two days per month statistic, which then translates into, as I mentioned earlier, a kid who is chronically absent misses 10% of the school days. Over the course of the school year, a 10-month school year roughly, that equates to about a month of school per year. So again, kind of backwards math there. So 10% of school days missed means that you're in school for 90% of the school days. For most people, 90% on a test, um, you know, in uh, other ways that we look at metrics, that's pretty strong. But that actually is not good uh, enough when we look at attendance rates. So, uh, Miriam, you're the the CEO and co-founder of Kinvolved. So tell us about what Kinvolved does, what's your solution to to this. And then then I'm sure we'll have many other questions, but let's start with that one. Sure. Um, So uh, my co-founder, Alex Meese, and I started Kinvolved. Back in 2012, uh, when we were graduate students at the at the uh, New York University and actually Philadelphia Connection, uh, won our first award uh, from the Fells Institute at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, so we have uh, some Philadelphia roots there. Excellent. Um, yeah, and so uh, we built the solution based on our uh, personal backgrounds, which I'm happy to go into greater detail about. But in brief, um, I was a teacher in the New York City public school system um, while Alex was. Uh, working with parents in the South Bronx through the hospital center where she saw a lot of the health-related issues. She specifically worked with parents of children with autism um, that went into affecting students' attendance in school. And um, from these sort of uh, on-the-ground experiences that we had um, in our previous careers, when we went to the Wagner School, we uh, entered into and won this competition. And the initial idea was to build a policy solution to what we saw at that time was a local challenge, local to New York City, our you know own backyard. And um, we wanted to build a solution to absenteeism. And we knew, um, because I did a lot of different sort of testing in my own petri dish of my classroom, we knew that um, engaging parents more effectively in school uh, was a solution to absenteeism and, and also a preventative solution to, you know, make sure that kids who weren't absent yet uh, were engaged and their parents were engaged before they fell off track. And so uh, that was sort of the, the initial kind of thought behind the, the solution and so the actual uh, products that we've built and that we offer to school districts now in 10 states across the country include, first of all, a technology platform and an app, a web and a mobile app, as well as a tablet app called Kinbo. Uh, and it essentially plugs into the existing um, system where teachers are already required to take attendance and just makes the data much more actionable. Um, typically in school districts, teachers take attendance at some point during the day, maybe every period if they're high school teachers, and then usually the data kind of just sits there and it's used for compliance and reporting purposes. But parents don't often find out that information um, until it's too late. 
with Kinvo by building this direct integration with the student information system. We're pulling the attendance data and that at, a, at a regular frequency, at least once per day, sometimes more frequently, depending on the district. We're sending mostly text message, um, but also email and phone call alerts um, to parents and guardians of children who are absent or late from class. And it's translated into up to 80 different languages, which is hmm. critically important mm-hmm. when we're talking about reaching families who are usually hardest to reach. Yep. Um, and what, and what pretty, would the text message say? You know, Sandy is out of school today. This is her fourth absence. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple you know. of different languages. We've got sort of the daily or excuse me, messages that we've got sort of the daily message that um, in some districts is like a um, digest that comes near the end of the school day, especially for high school kids. So parents are getting eight messages throughout the day, mm-hmm. letting them know that your child you know, missed um, four classes today. Uh, and then the parent can actually respond. And that response will go oh. back to the person who usually you'd think in a traditional school would be in the main office making phone calls home, trying to you know, collect excuse notes or get in touch with the parents. Um, and so that usually is that person's entire day making phone calls, and we're wow. able to save that person, um, usually an attendance clerk, like 75 minutes or more per, uh, per week Got it. Um, by just you know, cutting down that time. Um, but critically important also, um, that's just sort of the initial idea was this attendance notification. Um, but we've actually become a much broader communications platform and tool for schools and districts. So now teachers can use the product to communicate with individual students, families, um, around student progress in school, you know, at the school level, they can send reminders about parent-teacher nights or parent-teacher conferences. And again, it's two-way communications so parents can respond, which is pretty unique um, when we look at other solutions. And then at the district level, if there is a hurricane, which was the case with one of our districts, for example, in Georgia um, earlier this school year, um, and the school district needs to send an alert, you know, school's closed today, you know, here's where you need to go to uh, make sure that you're safe. We have these emergency broadcast alerts as well. So it's really become more of a general communications tool um, where it started with just, you know, attendance communication. So this is fascinating. Um, And I can see tremendous value in these communication platforms, the efficiency and, you know, really the efficiency that it brings in in opening up those lines of communication between parents and teachers and administrators. So when it comes to, you know, this huge problem of absenteeism, is Kinvolved saying, you know, we believe having the information is, is the most powerful lever and then we leave it to families to manage this or schools to manage it on their own? Or are there additional services to say, you know, to, to go beyond to support the parents, the children, the schools in addressing the absences that it's tracking? Yeah, that's a great question. So the software definitely is um, a critical piece of what we offer to districts. But um, again, having a background in the classroom, having a background as my co-founder in the community, we've um, never thought that technology alone is going to solve such a deeply entrenched problem that is rooted in so many, um, you know, from, with so many different reasons behind it and, and, you know, very legitimate reasons that families are missing school, which are um, unfortunately often related, though not always, to uh, issues of poverty. And so um, the first piece is really to make sure that families are informed and engaged and aware. And actually before, when we work with the district, before we actually start um, enabling their attendance notifications, we do what we call um, you know, professional development, which is a pretty common term in the education field. Basically, it's kind of consulting or training um, where we have members of our team who are really specialized in this area, know different solutions, and we'll work both at the district level and then at the school level 
um, to train on the use of the software. But first, before we even get to that, um, you know, understanding the goals of the district and what they're really trying to achieve and initially focusing on establishing positive relationships with families. So before you're sending absence notifications to families, making sure that you're sending, you know, a note saying, hi, this is your you know, child's teacher today, Miss Altman. Um, you can save my number. And from here on out, you can reach out to me through this, um, using this number, you can just text me um, and we'll be in touch. I'm so glad to have your child in class this year. And, you know, start that kind of cadence of regular positive communications. Have a great weekend. Can't wait to see you in school on Monday. Um, building that rapport first before you even get to the point of being able to send the absence messages. So, um, you know, school systems have so many different things going on. It also takes a while to establish change. And um, when we talked to a lot of parents, and I remember my own days as a teacher, unfortunately, because teachers have so many things going on, oftentimes the default is to only communicate with families when something is going wrong. Sure. Um, and so, you know, as, as a human being, as a parent, you can think about if that's the first time and the only time that you really hear from the school, how are you going to feel about the school? Are you going to want to be part of the solution? Are you going to trust that they have your child's best interest in mind? That's so, a big part of the sort of behavioral shift we're trying to affect. So, Miriam, as you describe um, Convolved and the app, um, and you know, knowing what I know about these issues in schools, I can see the real value in this in a school that ha- that is struggling, whether it's an elementary school or a middle school or a high school, where there is a small problem of absenteeism, where there are you know not that many kids um, struggling with this, and it, maybe it takes the school from you know I don't know what the percentages are, but you know a small percentage uh, of kids who are chronically absent to a, to a still smaller percentage. In schools that are, you know, have have a tremendous amount of absenteeism, that have a tremendous amount of turnover, um, you know, that are what people have re- referred to as "quote unquote" dropout factories, because there's, you know, such a low high school graduation rate. You know, I'm I'm concerned that an app is not going to cut it, um, and uh, and and you know, perhaps especially by the time the kids have gotten to to high school, an app texting the mom or dad not going to cut it. These are you know, these are such chronically chronic and overdetermined issues. Um, so, what's your what's your response to that? And you know, it, and as you think about the impact you can and can't have. Yeah, I mean, I, I again wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, an app can make processes more efficient. It can put tools in the hands of teachers. Um, but unless there is real intent and policy um, driving the the way that teachers and um, school level administrators and even district administrators are using the product you're not going to see the change that we know is possible. Um, And so, again, that's why we've developed a series of curricula. We've developed um, within our our annual impact report that we put out uh, this last year, 2018, the impact report was um, focused on four different areas um, uh, in terms of like a roadmap to improving attendance that we've shared. Um, And we also do, especially in larger communities that are just dealing with such this this problem is just so prolific. I mean, you have you know, perhaps 40 or even 50% of your kids who are chronically absent, just an overwhelming challenge. Um, those are communities that are really ripe for um, our community summits. So we did one of these in Providence, for example. We've done one in D.C. And we've done a number in New York City where we've been working for nearly six years now. And basically these events are kind of half-day events where we bring together a variety of stakeholders, some who are using the technology and actually some who aren't. And they include everyone from students and families to educators, to community-based organizations that support students in schools, um, sometimes funders, mm-hmm. as well as government and city agencies. We have mayors come and, and 
deputy mayors so, and all of those kinds of people who are invested in, in finding a solution. Mary, we're, 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 we're coming to an end of our segment shortly, so I apologize for cutting you off, but I want there's at least, I'm, I'm curious and shifting gears a little bit. Can you tell us quickly, is your, your business model, are you a for-profit, are you a non-profit, is your funding coming from investors, um, is it coming from philanthropists? Obviously, you're a, you, know, I think, you have a business model where the, the districts are buying your services, but beyond that, yep. who are your investors? Yeah. Sure. So um, we are for-profit. We're a benefit corporation, again, kind of underpinning our uh, focus on uh, mission as well as building a sustainable business. Uh, some of our investors, all of our investors are social impact investors. Uh, they really believe in the mission. They know that working with school systems is not always the easiest, and so they understand it takes time to see change. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, we've also earned a number of grants and awards as well from organizations like University of Pennsylvania, as I mentioned earlier, New York University, Teacher right. America, and so on. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I guess uh, the reason that districts continue to come back to work with us, we have 100% district renewal rate so far. And the reason that investors who understand social impact are really invested is that we put out this annual report, we're seeing results. We know that t- chronic absence in schools with which we work can decrease up to 10%. Average daily attendance can increase dramatically compared with their peers when we look at the data, and that um, parent relationships with school um, educators report 93% are much stronger than they were before they started working with Kinvolved. Yeah, very cool. Well, Miriam, thanks so much for coming on to tell us more about Kinvolved. I think um, there's great food for thought here for for any you know parent or educator who is listening. I'm even thinking simply tracking this. Sure. Right? Like I've been sick. I, Catherine, I have missed two two work days in the last you know month for sick days. Um, thinking about how that rolls up and the the impact of it, and you know just starting with tracking it is very powerful. And um, I can't imagine anyone who's listening who who uh, can't you know understand the power of connecting parents, administrators, and teachers in a more con- comprehensive way would be. We're going to be talking more about the intersection of business and social impact here on Dollars and Change on Sirius XM Channel 132, Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.